All yeah, right. that's, that's exactly what we needed to start. Wonderful. Welcome to the Jazz and Files podcast brought to you by the Broken Jazz Network. A subsidiary yeah. of the Full Jars Network. I think we broke off from them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we do have some news. E.G., you want to go over the news you brought up? Uh, yeah. So essentially, as of the 6th of December, uh, Jim has done up to Chapter 36 of Peace Talks. So take heart. There should be only about 14 or so more chapters to go. Um, so before 2020, we'll have a book. Has he actually said he's aiming for about 50? Or is that just a trend that people well, are Well, the trend seems on? to be, I mean, they've gone up since Turncoat. They've been like 47 or more. The last two were yeah. 51, 52, something like that. All right. All right. I personally have been expecting closer to 55 because the way he described it as having so much crap in it, it's going to have a lot of yes, stuff, and that makes sense. more chapters. I imagine most of the books are going to be, I mean, especially as he's working towards the BAT, which is supposed to be this big door knocker capstone trilogy, as he mm -hmm. describes it, of these huge books. I can't imagine they're going to start going down in size. Yeah. And he always uh, does seem to describe that he's trying to basically test his limits and his abilities to see what he can do. So that's why things take longer and get longer. Eh, it's, it's I'm expecting the chapter count to always increase. Yeah, but definitely yeah. the Harry Potter thing where it just gets bigger, big starts off small and doubles in size by halfway through. Mm -hmm. And actually, I figured something like uh, with with peace talks being supernatural, UN and the Dresden verse, uh, I'm figuring something on the level of Bianca's party times like 20. And you just have all these little new personalities that never before seen and some old ones and they're interacting and just the, uh, just playing around with that could take uh, add a couple, five, six chapters on its own. So yeah, the sure. beauty of peace talks is that it should be people we already know from the previous 15 books. They're just all going to start fighting each other at once. Right. Right. Plum. You know, is, Some haven't is, really, they've only been mentioned offhandedly, you know, like right. Dracul, if he shows up, he's going to need some sort of character introduction. If Ferrovax is there, but if it's the other one, if it's Pyrovax, he'll need some sort of. Sure. We'll probably get to see Sarisa again if Summer represents that way and see how she's been doing since she got the job type deal. At least that would be my guess. Will there be a delegation of Archangels I can, you know, oh, psychopomp or somebody? <laughs> or you'll maybe. Just guessing. Or something implied that Molly would be directly involved, or maybe we're guessing that she wouldn't, and we'd see Leah instead. And if we Leah, then we have Eldest Gruff because they're opposites. Well, it could be both. It could be Leah and Molly, and then uh, me and Teresa. <laughs> you know, because you you can't have you, they're not just going to go solo. They're going to come with a retinue. Uh, yeah, as they should. So. So yeah, oh. stop bugging the website. It annoys the people running the website. It makes them hard. Makes them, uh, On the other hand, Jim them. doesn't see them, so if you want to annoy them, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just not nice. Not person. Person. <laughs> you would think. But, uh, this time, we did blood rites, and we've lost two people, apparently. One of them to familial dementia, and the other one to who the fuck knows. So. <laughs> just like in the climax of this book, two people down. Mm -hmm. Purse is lifted. Now we can have a good show. 
You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, to start off with blood rights, I like Thomas. He's funny. I think the banter gets really good in this book, and yeah. you get mouse. Absolutely. Well, I mean, let's face it. This is the uh, this is the book that has um, everyone's favorite beginning line. So it starts off on the bang. Yes. Yep. You know, the building is on fire, and it wasn't my fault. So the way Justin put it in his notes, infamous line is infamous. It mm -hmm. it is probably one of the best opening lines I've ever seen, though. Yeah, no, it is a genuinely good way to start. And it starts right in the middle of a pre-existing case, and he resolves it. Happy, happy. You know, it shows it has starts off on that high note, also kind of dramatically, where it's he's successful, and there's really no doubt that he's successful. And I mean, there's one little missing mutt, but I guess that's it. And then one, yeah, hooray! And uh, then you find you find the mutt. So it it seems to be resolved, even though there's actually three missing ones. You don't find out until yeah. So Harry doesn't have a, a account apparently to go for. He just sees pile of puppies. Take pile of puppies, and doesn't notice when several of them are missing. But uh, as a retrospective kind of look, what we know from Zoo Day is that not only Mouse didn't get taken back to the bed, there was also another male, another female, Shadow, and female is unnamed, and. As Justin points out in his notes, if Cal and Kamori are responsible for that, as we've all been assuming, then why use this weird stand-in sorcerer, Chinese demon, monkey, Voltron thing? And my only response to that would be cat's paws. Everything about this book is cat's paws. Well, additionally, we don't know who they are until the next one. Tell Deadbeat. Mm -hmm. They don't come on stage fully. They don't reveal themselves. We only find out retroactively as time goes on how many fingers they've had their, how many yeah. pies rather they've had their fingers in. Yeah. So, you know, same reason as always. Keep your keep your distance. So yeah, the, definitely the biggest strength of this book is going to be in the. Uh, not, I would say it's in the, the world building or the the plots or the stories, but there's a lot of great quippy lines, and Harry's really on fire today. He starts. Because he starts off on that high note, he just dishes out the snark right at the beginning, and it's always hilarious, especially when he first shows up on the at the uh, the set and everything. Um, which is kind of an interesting dynamic, considering the ending of this is kind of a downer. I mean, the White King's down and out, but it's and he guess he finds a half brother, but he didn't quite beat Mavra, and that's a problem. Right. Yeah. And everyone's kind of everyone else is pretty much miserable, and lots of people die. And there's a little bit of happy notes towards the end, but pretty much the uh, all the uppers are right there at the beginning of the book. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, he also he doesn't really he he hints at the fact that he knows how it was kind of too easy that he took her down, but mm -hmm. you know, like everything else, it doesn't really show until the next one. And he gets a brother, which he seems happy about. Moves in with him. Mm-hmm. What do so, you think, you know. oh, yeah. yeah, Harry is really uh, snappy in this book, which is always great, and the people around him seem to fire right back, especially Thomas, but they've always done that in their relationship, which is probably one of the reasons why I find Thomas so entertaining, because he seems to be a foil for that kind of dialogue, which is just fun. Uh, like, just in the beginning car ride, of uh, they're talking about mold demons, and uh, you get... You do humiliating things for not enough money and all of those type of issues. Then there's the Star Wars line about the car. 
and it's just no, a lot. Thomas gets a very rare advantage of being able to be an older brother without having to show that he's an older brother yet. So he gets to uh, he gets to essentially younger brother Harry, with, <laughs> which will needle him all the more because he doesn't actually know he's his brother yet. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, so the book starts off pretty uh, kind of like Grave Barrel. You're just kind of thrown into the action with your main sidekick for the story. And um, Flaming Monkey Poo and the dogs and Brother Wong. Or, is it Brother Wong? Well, Brother I Wong. think he switches back between Wong and Wang. Yeah. And then he's off, and Harry gets himself a, uh, depending on what side you're looking on, a demon or a spirit guardian or an angel dog, or he gets a puppy. A cute, fluffy puppy. That's, that's what he A notch-eared puppy. Yes. As he fluffy. goes by the rest of the book until the end. Yes. Yes, yes. And it's one of the best moments is when Mouse, un yet, as yet unnamed, just going at the Snoopy doll because it still has the guru's blood on it. Mm -hmm. Gotta kill that evil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one thing uh, that I've always found kind of interesting is the way that Thomas seems to be in Harry's position. And he kind of highlights that when he asks and the beginning, what about Susan? You got her involved and then she got hurt and had to leave and he's worried about Justine. So he's doing almost the same thing of trying to keep Justine in the dark so she's safe and it doesn't work through not much fault of her own or mm -hmm. his. Yeah, well, I mean, it is ultimately uh, her choice to go in no, later knowing mm -hmm. that she's going to be... Uh, Eaten. Um, it is a more informed choice than Susan had, but at the same time, Susan was being actively warned away by Harry. So, you know, you have this, that, and the other thing. Justine has been a willing accomplice at a minimum to uh, everything Thomas has been doing since Grave Peril. Yep. So, I mean, listen, we know it works out for her in the end. We know she's kind of insane, even <laughs> without having been almost eaten to death. And uh, I don't know, Justine, Justine was always one of those kind of odd bird characters to me. Like, I, I, I don't dislike her or anything, but I just, I always feel the scenes with her just kind of weird. You know, even in Turnco later when she's, or White Knight when she's as the secretary to Lara and all that kind of stuff. You know, she she just, she always seems a little bit out of place, which I, I suppose is the point. With both Susan and Justine, they, they basically find their place once they've gotten damaged and then grow beyond it. Like, Susan seems to fit as where she is in the fellowship. And through death mass and changes and everything that's she, she adapted so well to it. The same thing seems to happen with Justine and her little uh, damage and then being protected by Lara sort of, but the way that she's clearly faking it and working with Thomas behind the scenes, couldn't put her anywhere else essentially. That's just the function that she has to be at and she does it well. Yeah, well, it seems just, to also kind of stabilize her. Like we see in Grave Peril, she's kind of a schizo. 
Yeah. Um, without Thomas's influence, but once he almost kills her, she's essentially does the exact opposite from then on. She can fake it. And but yeah. she's actually more emotionally and mentally stable. Well, so Thomas was the medication for her for a while, and then when he could no longer feed on her and no one else was, then she had to find medication in order to become stable, so she did. It was finally like a, a trigger point for her to be able to get stable without being fed on by vampire forever. Does she take medication later? Is that like a bombshell thing? Because I never night. actually went on oh, White Night. Yeah, that's right. So, where because are we? Wherever you want to be. <laughs> just so I can uh, catch up. We're talking about Justine currently. We've talked about Thomas being funny. Thomas being funny? Yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah. That seems to be established. Yep. He carries the uh, the uh, the Dresden gene, quote-unquote. You don't even know what team. side I'm on. Uh -huh. oh, that's true, too. But you don't even know what side I'm on. You're on Thomas's side. His grin widened. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So one thing uh, I picked up on the... Uh, on the our Dresden Files subreddit. Somebody pointed out this book. It's got three X's. <laughs> because hey, that means yeah. the three X and then the three X. Yeah, the three. Anyway, I, oh, maybe that was obvious. Someone else. That's got to be on purpose. It's got to be. It's yes. got to be. I never heard. I never heard it was. I never thought about that. <laughs> you know, it's like a double meaning or triple meaning or quadruple meaning of a title. Yeah. The same general. Right, so blood rights. So blood because vampires. Rights because it's a spell. What else you got? And the relationship between Harry and uh, Thomas. Yeah, the mm -hmm. death curse. The fact that it's tied to their blood like that. Yeah. There's also the idea of blood rights. It's my birthright type of idea. Yeah. Hmm. Just accept it. Okay, I accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else we got here. Mm, well, yeah, so, so Harry gets recruited on a case by his brother that he doesn't know is his brother yet to go work yeah. to There's try and stop a bunch of porn stars. Mm -hmm. Harry and Thomas Murphy and the clan of Murphy is and is it family? I forgot how big the clan of Murphy right. is, by the way, because I just listened to that like Irish Catholic family man. Yep, is that a thing? Like, are these really that big? Yes. Yeah, it's not like uncommon. No, the, the Irish very... families uh, follow the Catholic doctrine of no birth control, so they have ten plus children easy. Is am, am I lacking or is she lacking? She is. Okay. She did a bit. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, we'll yeah. Well, we waited so long for you that our internet connections can no longer keep up. You can just not start earlier. That's fine. We started on time. You're the no, you only didn't. one who didn't catch the memo. You're right. We started late, actually. He is technically correct. Oh, yeah, we did. But we started the pre-show on We're time. We're supposed to start pre-show in four minutes, my time. No, go look at and the show. There has been no time zone changes since last time. There hasn't been time zone changes, but we said it for that time. <laughs> Well, Welcome to the Dresden hey, Files Podcast, the production of the Broken Jars Professional Podcasting Network. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I cannot attend usually until like three minutes at the earliest because I'm reading. That sounds like a Sweden problem. 
<laughs> look at that look at death he's got on his face right now. He can't touch me from there. <laughs> he will fly all the way from Copenhagen and get you. Copenhagen, Denmark. Indeed. Wait. Wait. Oh, dang it. I didn't mean to say Copenhagen. I'm going to say Oslo. Dang it. That's Norway. That would no, be Norway. that's what I want yeah. to say. That's not till changes anyway. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of Europe, how's that for transition? Uh, we get <laughs> I don't know yet. Well, <laughs> we get all sorts of all sorts of goodies about White Council stuff with the Black Staff delineation of the Seven Laws of Magic, uh, a little bit of stuff on Kincaid. We get all that delicious little world building stuff with those characters in the uh, basically inconsequential subplot of Mavra's uh, Mavra's yeah. Den. That plot is just there to set up like Mavra's like having a reason for like give me the word of Kemba. I feel like she could have done that anyway. Like, uh, yeah, she could have done it. She could have done everything reason. she did in Deadbeat without everything that happens in Blood Rites. I think this is showing a pattern of Mavra basically poking Dresden into being better. Hmm. I wouldn't go so far as to say she could have done everything and still gotten the She doesn't. Dresden gets involved in Deadbeat, whether Marvra makes him or not. That doesn't mean she he gives her the book. Well, That's she true. could have. She could have found something else to blackmail Murphy on. You know, just have her involved in the investigation somehow. Maybe, but this was present and convenient, and you know. Yeah, I mean. I'm not saying she even had a plan about the word at that point. I'm just saying that's like why Jim had that plot in there. That's yeah, yeah. But whether Murphy is there or not, I mean, if she takes pictures of Dresden killing the 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 uh, Renfields, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. She's still blackmail. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't terribly. They didn't do it. Uh, but nothing that really happened other than the Blackstaff stuff and the Kincaid stuff, and I guess a photo of Murphy. Really ended up uh, has really ended up paying off in any of the books. They didn't even get Mavra. The, the hand thing's a big thing, right? But that could have happened other ways. Mm. Well, well the, I don't the, know. The I mean, the hand hands, thing. The, yeah, I mean that's yeah. super important, but it, it's not like anything if that was planned. There's the fact that Lara becomes the de facto no, but again, leader I mean, of the White Court. More talking from the author's perspective there than just like in the why Mavra did it. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's that stuff in the vampire plot. That's the White Court vampire plot. That stuff, that stuff happens to go somewhere and builds up to something that has lasting consequences. But other than the picture of Murphy, which is kind of weak sauce, I don't know that. And the world building details, which we could have found out any other way, I don't know that we. Uh, there's a lot in the B plot of this book that really makes much sense. It's got that two plot thing going on, like in Death Masks. It's kind of like the second formula that uh, Butcher's experimenting with at this point in the series, and I. They're they're not nearly uh, intertwined enough for my liking. I mean, he gets he gets better than right, like in like a couple of books. It's like the B plot ties into the main plot. Yeah, and they kind of like I feel like that's kind of like where it, that's where it kind of goes, right? I... Yeah, but these these two books, this one and Death Masks, masks are especially weak in that regard. But the I writing mean, of this he, one is he does so that sharp. Formula in most of the books, honestly. He has, like, there's an A and B plot, he bounces back before, and then sometimes they're much more intertwined than others. And these ones, the white court and black court, don't mix much because then you'd have a gray court. Sorry, dumb joke. And for some reason, it, it works better 
for me in Blood Rites because when he's running out of the studio and he's fearing for the fact that the cops are going to go after him and he says, like, I need to go against Mavra. And it seems like this 180 turn, it almost feels like the characters have the same reaction. So it felt more normal. Like, because sometimes life, it really is just that hectic. But uh, versus the way that I couldn't remember what's supposed to happen next in Death Masks because of the two different plots. And I just couldn't figure out why they weren't meshing well enough. This is again one of those books, kind of like Brave Peril and like Brothers. It's it's where it's like there's so many plots that I'm like, oh yeah, that's what this book. That was, it was in this book that happened. Because uh, like too many things happened in the same book. Mm -hmm. A little bit. Like I forgot that this was the book that the family meeting was in, like meeting mm -hmm. Murphy's family, and I was like, oh yeah, that's this book. Well, you're the only one that's ever forgotten that because I have never heard the end of "Oh my God, Mama Murphy, we need to see her again." I mean, I like it her. I, nice. mean, I, I was certainly re reminded in this book that I thoroughly enjoy Kincaid's character. Mm -hmm. He could be related to uh, to Harry and uh, Thomas almost in terms of a pure dress and snark. Yeah, well, he's just he's just he's just cold hearted, ruthless. That's really what he has. I don't think he has snark so much. He's more like a. He has a little bit of yes, snark. Yes, yes, sir. Must address him, sir. Yeah. See, Murph. Yes, sir. <laughs> Sorry. That's really. Uh, you know what's interesting about this? You have you have a book with here's a, here's a missed opportunity. You have a book with uh, Ebenezer and Thomas, and we don't find about any further family relations, or there's no significance there, or they just kind of ships passing in the night. Yeah, they don't interact with each other other than the fact that Ebenezer talks about White Court, but uh, Harry doesn't find out that Ebenezer's actually his grandfather, even though it really kind of feels like he should at that point almost put things together with the way that Ebenezer's talking about um, his history. So the connection didn't get realized until changes, but it's still not pointed out until supposedly peace talks. Well, I mean, it's at this point, he's already emotionally distraught, essentially, at the fact of finding out how his mother died. And Eb doesn't come right out and say how they're related, because mm -hmm. up until the end, he still doesn't. I mean, up until changes, it's not like Harry just pieces it together. He just he essentially gets flat out told why. Yeah. <laughs> why this is happening to him now. And this then it's like, oh, so he's my grandfather not because he has some intuition on the matter it's like he's your grandfather shut up this is one of those uh, moments where like again where you're like oh yeah dresden's a professional investigator and wizard but yet he does not figure out anything about his own life just everybody well else. when it's concerned with family that's always been his big blind spot so which he does highlight several times in this book but amongst everyone else's familial issues mm-hmm yeah, well, plus, sure. I mean, let's face it, the last time family was even hinted at was by a demon that was trying to get his soul and or his last name. So he's probably been wary about probing again. Do we feel like, like, if you think about it, in the books, like, we know this is like a weakness of Harry's, but do we think he gets better at it? Like, like seeing those blind spots in his own life? Because he's so good at seeing everybody else, but not his own. Um... I'd say. I mean, in what sense? In the familial sense? Because the only other blind spot comes up in the same book where he finds out he has a grandfather. 
in general, like like his, it seems like he misses a lot of stuff when it comes to his own personal relationships. If it's, you know, even Nizzer being his grandfather, Thomas, why is Thomas helping him? Uh, his friends, like what they I think mean, about to him. To be fair, when you grow up as an only child, you don't expect an older brother to come out of nowhere. That's what you dream about. That's what he said anyway, right? Sort of. And he has mentioned that. Like, he was wanting to have a brother, and he's very happy that Thomas is there now. But uh, you don't expect an older brother to show up. What he should have kind of looked into was the fact that multiple people said that there's more to his parents and the history. That Nicodemus says Maggie's youngest. There had to yeah, be someone out there. Sure. And he didn't look into it. Well, I mean, he has, yeah, and I guess you can excuse that as a consider the source type deal. The first one was a demon that we now know is actually works with and for hell. And the other one was a fallen who is the elite of hell. So, you know, you can, you, you could forgive him for taking that kind of stuff with a grain of salt. It's not like they're fairies. They can't lie. Eh, um, yes, it's true that they can lie, but it seems like uh, the same thing is going with the Starborn issue of like when so many people have said it, maybe you should look into what the hell that means. Yeah, like either, 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 like I feel like two things are going to happen with that Starborn thing. Either it's going to be like he's just going to bring up at some point in the books, Starborn means this, I knew all along. You just never heard about it because I didn't think about it while I, while I was doing the case files. So he's going to be like, talking to you. Uh, like you didn't get you didn't catch it in my point of view, but I always knew. Ha ha! Like he's done that before, kind of. Where it's like I know this, and he casually explains it to someone. Well, which he said that in well, his book, in Skin Game. He did that yeah, in Skin Game. That. But that was that was that was a. Oh, let me tell you. That was by the trauma. way, yeah, that was just the thing. Is uh, it wasn't over the course of an entire series? So maybe in like one book, you might say, "Well, I looked up a Starborn." But that'd be that'd be kind of unsatisfying to hear it like that. I don't know. No, it's going to be one of those things that he either it's part of a case that he has to sort of work it out, or he's just yeah. going to get flat out hit over the head with the information. Uh, it's probably going to be that one from some from and, a yeah, and an info source. dump type thing. Or I I would love it if it were uh, uh, one of those a madcap book or something, or even just a short story where everyone is trying to get the starborn, and there's like, what's a starborn? Oh, don't play, don't play dumb with me. You know exactly what it is. And that's like a running joke throughout an entire 200-page novel. Or something. It would have it worked if he doesn't already, he hadn't already been called that. Yeah, I guess. I guess. What yeah, but is he's, that? He, he, is someone fucking with his memory? Is like maybe, I don't know. No, it's just, it's not plot relevant yet, and Harry yeah, has amnesia when things aren't plot relevant yet. That's just the way it has always gone. But photographic memory when it is plot relevant. Well... <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yes, listen, that's that's what you get when you do first person. These are some of the things you're going to run into. Yeah, and it's, it's not like I I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just funny to point out. Yeah. How would you otherwise? Like maybe it's just the stories I read might be multiple first person views or just one first person view, but I don't think I've read many stories where it's not first person, if any at all. How do you even tell a story? Like, what if it's told in third person? Lord of the Rings. Man. Yeah, there are uh, countless Most books, books are third told. person. Yeah. <laughs> every, every fairy Why tale. Why first person, let alone good first person, is actually outside the norm. Yeah. Every fairy tale, every uh, fable, 
every. I mean, have you read Harry Potter? Harry Potter is first person, right? Harry no, it's no. says like Harry the third person. Yeah, that's how he, that's just because it's like Harry thought, you know, that that's not it's not and I thought. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah, so you look for the stuff that's not in quotes. All if right, so you after have the, the show, we're giving Andreas an English lesson. Well, he needs it. Well, I, I guess maybe Danish doesn't have first or third person. I maybe. mean, I, I, I only had like basic school, and it was like 10 years ago. I might have been told this forgot. I don't know. It's okay, you taught it in English. But moving on, I did have this nice segue before Andreas uh, ran into the ground with first, third person. Someone who's dumber than Harry about family shit is Inari. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get that they're, she's not being told that her family is a bunch of vampires, but did she not ever think in however old she is, many years of being alive, about why isn't Lara aging? I mean... Well, she's only, only 18. She's only, like, what, 18? Yeah. Okay, like no, if you have a sister who's constantly an adult but never, like, aging beyond that for an entire 18 years, Just, wouldn't you wonder... Well, no. think about if your whole family—they're kind of not aging that much. Like you might have, and they have a certain amount of money, right? I would be more actually thinking about like, how do they have so much money? Like, if I was her, like, because like, sure, we do porn. Clearly, well, yeah, they don't make that much in porn. They don't well, make they like, can do the psychic wrist lock on anyone who's rich and says, "Hey, give me money." Yes, but she has no idea about the supernatural stuff in her family at all. Well, right. that doesn't mean she doesn't know that they don't have various interests. You know, she yeah. could just. Her father is clearly the kind of guy who would be a, a mogul type if he had his bojo. Yeah, so her her knowing that her family's involved in a bunch of things doesn't seem that. No, the her sister was a porn star. Okay, so she's she's perfectly okay with that. She's happy working on this set. She doesn't blink an eye at the fact that they're going back to Chateau Wraith, which is one of the many houses that they have yeah, but it's the like that she never asks about why her siblings rich. don't age well you can or her say father or anything i mean if you're called a place chateau wraith it's not that hard of a leap to say we come from old world money yeah i guess you know and in our is not exactly the sharpest tack obviously i get i get you have to like think about okay how old are you before you can really recall like what did people what look a person like. looked like yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm. I mean, I think uh, what maybe maybe if you have a really good memory, you're somewhere like seven and eight, where you can really picture what someone looked like back then. So that's ten years. Is it really? Is she expecting Laura to age that much in ten years? The weirdness. How much does an adult change over ten years, assuming they keep fit? They don't change that much. Well, no. Over okay. Oh, she she cuts her hair here and there. She does this, that, and the other thing. I mean, ten years is not a. She's not going to age that much either way. Ten years, maybe, but then there's there's other weird things of she never is first. I it, so everyone who recognizes that they're a white core vampire will understand why he doesn't want to give that out. But a normal kid growing up is gonna wonder what is her parents' name. A normal kid, yes, but I would not. The dumbass be, that is Anari will not. I would not be over. I I imagine there are kids out there today, even that are you know not white cord vampires, who just call their parents mom and dad and don't actually really know. Like, it would be a rarer thing, I grant you, but it's not impossible that. Okay, anyone over the age of ten, I would say, if you don't know your parents' names, that's something suspicious. 
but you got to realize where she's coming. I mean, she's coming from a pretty insular group. You know, would it, if this was, let's just take a weird example and say if she was, if this was an Amish family and they called each other Mon Pa and they didn't know that, would, would it really strain so much credulity if you thought maybe they don't actually offhand know their, their parents' names? It just wasn't how they did it. They didn't tell them until they were 18 because they weren't a real adult yet. And then you could find out what you're, I don't know, some ridiculous thing I mean, like that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've always it, you would you would think it's weird. I would think it's weird. Sweden would think it's weird, but it's not completely outside the realm of possibility. It would just be a weird cultish, religious, or insular thing. I don't know. Fantasy book. I can't, I can't get this yeah, up without just... that. Yeah, personally. She's weird and she's dumb, and it's I don't explain. No, luckily we don't ever have to see her again. Hopefully, except that she comes back in at least one. Does she come back? I don't remember which one that did. I don't remember what it name was, and Justin would know. But Justin had his own familial dementia to deal with today, uh, so he can't point out which one it was. But I know that Inari came back in one of the comics. Oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> The comics matter. They're canon. Yeah, uh huh. Just like the role playing game, I still don't care. And it, probably in the comics, Anari is just as dumb as she is in this book because the comics are not very good. Yeah, but I'm sure she's a lot bustier. So <laughs> people really don't care. I really so in addition to the best opening line, this book probably has one of the better deaths, if you want to say death by frozen missile turkey. Mm. Which is just nuts. It's wonderful. I like how he even like uh, kind of explains it, how it's how he's like the people casting it and how someone was like wanted melodrama, while that's when she's not there, it's just like quick and efficient. Yeah, was, he had a built-in reason for all the crazy cartoonish entropy deaths because the crazy psycho Trixie bitch was just too stupid. <laughs> it's a lot of dumb bimbos in this book. And so yeah. just ruthless. Very pornish too. stereotype. <laughs> to be fair, I feel like she's kind of the only one who's like a stereotypical like you think about like porn bimbo. The rest of them are like pretty normal human beings. Yeah. She is the one who says, well, Larry, you never got me my latte. Like, you never <laughs> met him before in my life, but really? he apparently owes me a latte. Yep, too stupid to even give his name to the police because she couldn't be bothered to remember. <laughs> the fact that it's a consistent thing throughout the entire book is like the only reason I think it works because it's not like deus ex machina stupidity at one moment. It's just forever. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and then, then it also helps to set up, wait, you know about rubbing out the, the the circle oh wait how do you know about the circle and that's supposed to be a clue for the reader oh you're in on it you're one of the three x's casting this curse right i mean yeah you already figured that out for them well that that she's when she's so stupid when she's uh she's been stupid several times before this and like, wait, she's finally. I think smart. it was more to highlight that even stupid people can get kind of lucky and be. Well, that's how, that's how it plays out. But it's also a clue for the reader who the 
who the bad guys are. But I guess. Well, I, I mean, she's also at that her. point. She's she isn't she on the phone with um, the other. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose that's true. Um, yeah. She was on the phone with Wraith, which is why it was so targeted when Emma died, because it was Trixie's own gun that killed her as she was walking by the hallway, mm. versus something weird and comical like falling in a vat of honey or something. Was it Wraith that was uh, like running the that curse, or was it one of the other girls? Yeah, I think so, no, I think the one, I don't remember who she was on the phone with. I thought it was one of the other. He was on the phone. I thought it was one of the other girls too. Like yeah. the Trixie was on the phone with Wraith. Madge was running the whole magic portion of it. Wraith was kind of guiding it, and then they killed Lucille to power it. Okay. Yeah. Just imagine, just imagine being Lord, like the big Lord Wraith. And having to cater to those women to get them to do the cursing for you. Yeah, which is one of the uh, little insight hints that Harry had to think of what the death curse was that his mother did. It's just, it's just, a, just a, a blow to the ego, man. So I think about it like that man, he would not have, like, oh, why isn't he dead yet? Because he's too much of a good puppet. How many people are in on it by now, though? I mean, there are so, a lot of people in on it, right? The inner yeah. circle of the Wraith family, I think. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, the mad twins are right. in on it. Obviously, Thomas and Lara. Uh, the other Wraith siblings the other sisters are know. probably aware enough. And doing their own weird schemes, whatever it matters, probably doesn't. The other houses of the White Court are probably not because Laura would try to hide it. Uh, Cone figured it out pretty fast in White Knight. That's what I was. Yeah, that's that's the thing I was thinking of. I guess that uh, mm -hmm. it, it's and, so funny that Cone figured it out, but the rest of the White Court didn't. I mean, it's possible that they do know, but they wouldn't blow the cover because yeah. that just doesn't seem to be something that they do. Even if it's something completely see-through, I mean, acknowledging. I don't really the subtext think they know because they just can't imagine. Lord Wraith being subjugated by Lara because in their mind, because Lord Wraith hid it so well that he lost his powers, kind of. Like, that whole, he can't feed anymore. Yeah. Well, there's actually, I mean, if I remember correctly, there's a word of Jim on this that the other families actually do, are aware. And they're, they're just kind of playing along, waiting for the opportunity to um, yeah. I mean, you know, expose I would, Lara, I would, I which, would, which leaves her more open. Because if you think about how powerful he was before he got, like, cursed... But they also had then about, what was it, 30 years or so of non-movement of any kind. And so maybe they see this pattern. They've So they've seen this pattern be able to build up over the last couple of decades that they're not doing anything, he's not doing anything, and yada, yada, yada. So they probably already saw him as someone they wanted to usurp, which is why White Knight happens in the first place. Then... Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of find out as the efficiency is building up again, and Lara's the one taking point as opposed to just being daddy's good little daughter. You know, it's even for an inattentive, fatuous group of morons, it's not that hard to pick up on it. But I think it's it's largely constrained by the uh, social uh, approbation not to do it. It'd be very gauche to just say, oh, Laura, you're the one in charge. And then, like, well, you don't gain anything that way because that's not, you're supposed right. to do it by. Yeah, through others. It's not the way it's done. Right. Yeah, you're supposed to have someone else dominate Lord Wraith. Like, someone else. 
name some other successor, yada yada. Can it be assumed that any of the other heads of the other White Court families are as powerful as Lord Wraith? Like, being um, able to basically just suck the life out of someone by I'd touch. Say before White Knight, I'd say they're at least a couple at the top. That's the yeah. picture I get in, in White Knight. I mean, I'm I mean, sure that the other heads of the families could uh, rival him a little bit, but there does seem to be the implication that he is as powerful as he is because he has the deals with the outsiders. Oh, right. Like I mean, you want to, if you want to, if you want to attribute the whole one touch kiss of death thing as being something that maybe the top Malvora or the top Scavis could do also with their particular emotions. If they maybe, were that, but, if that was just him. I don't know. I mean, none of them are really described that way, but they're also not important. But even if we assume that is then his magical immunity, plus the fact that he's been around and kicking for as, about as long as Nicodemus has would seem to indicate that they are probably not. Is it said he's that old ever? Yeah. When you guys did, um, when you guys yeah. had Jim on, he said he was 2000 years old. Okay. I just, I forgot that though. Yeah. Cause he knows the pattern of how everything is building up that he was building up to be, uh, able to capitalize on this swell of stuff that's happening for the BAT, and he just got death-cursed before then, and then Lara'd. 2,000 years of fucking build-up, and this bitch comes in ruin. Like, he's gotta be pissed. Oh, okay. he's pissed and insane and starving, and yeah, he's, there's a reason he didn't quite <laughs> pull this off. Yeah. I also noted that exactly what was said about that library that like Alex was so hyped about and I was like, it is actually mentioned that something like he's always like, does he know magic? Yeah. And she's and he's like, yeah. And he also has this secret library that's always locked off. And you were right. Yeah, and no one's like, allowed into it. It's yeah. like when he's also talking about how invulnerable the guy is, and he killed Margaret. And it's like that seems really important. Yeah. And I, I, what I would guess is that probably if Jim has pl had planned all along and thought about that he'd been around as long as Nicodemus and he was building up for the big. BAT moments. There's probably a lot of useful information in that library about all of that. Yeah, which now, supposedly, like, I figure Lara now has perfect she would access probably have to a, making unless her Unless it's magically sealed off somehow. Like, through some, like, only I can enter outsider magic or something. No, he mentioned, he mentioned when you guys had him on that even though he didn't remember the library, that she's the one who has access to it now. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, and it's been so long since that episode. Building up whatever more conflict that Thomas and Harry and probably Ebenezer are going to get into with Lara in Peace Talks, I hope it's going to reveal something about that library, any of the secrets that were inside. Peace Talks. Who else is excited? It's going to... It's soon. <laughs> soon. Next year. That's it's still another weird. year. I mean, ne sometime next year has got to count as soon at this point. Uh, okay. <laughs> How I'm optimistic about it. You just got the Nordic optimism. Yeah. Valhalla will come before. And you'll see Rashid in Valhalla. God in heaven. <laughs> Until I see them both in a room. Yeah. You're just gonna keep banging your head against the wall. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, More dumb people in this book were the uh, weird bodyguard twins. Although they seem to be have a reason for being <clears throat> dumb, but they're probably like psychically battered into being it. 
that. How old are they? That's not like meant in the description, right? Late twenties, like, mid thirties, maybe. I don't know. They, they yeah, can't really not. be. He can't have enslaved them, right? Like he can't have done it personally. Yes, he Why can. Not? Why? What? He doesn't have. He can't feed on them. Like he can't use his powers. He can still like attempt to do things. He can do the psychic whammy and cause the addiction stuff. He just can't actually consume it. So they get stuff taken. He can't absorb it. Yeah, you. I mean, you see what he does to Murphy. It's not like he has nothing. He just doesn't get what you get out of it. I just thought the whole Murphy thing was like that's like part of why it, it doesn't work because he's like, like she cursed him. He's, it's not really working. He can't do it. Well, I mean, right, yes, I'm sure there it would have been much more potent had he also been essentially eating her soul because she. But she even says that she felt the effects and it felt like Kravos. It was obviously didn't do quite the same thing because she was not knocked out in a coma for days and days and days and didn't have part of her psyche ripped out this time. But it did have an effect. And even if it wasn't him doing the bodyguard things under his edict, having his daughters do it, for instance, wouldn't be outside of because Harry mentions later on once Lara's taking a show over in Turncoat how much more efficient the guards are because that was mm -hmm. what she felt would have been more um, beneficial. One thing I'm thinking there is that they're not like you know blindly loyal to him. They're blindly loyal to one of his kin, and it seems like they're definitely fanatically devoted to him. Well, I mean. Either way, even if it was, for example, Lara who was battering them into submission, up until the very end of that book, everything still is through the head honcho, so it's still mm. doing it all for the quote-unquote king. So. Yeah, I guess. One thing I'm, I'm curious about is, what's the White King's relationship to the Oblivion War? Is there anything set up about this in this book? Because, of course, there's the short story. No, Oblivion but... Wars is never mentioned in the books themselves, I think. No, no. But but, uh, how does it... Is, is he, if he's working with outsiders, he got outsiders' power. How does... There is a, there is a an Oblivion War connection in the Wraith household, at least by yeah. the time that Lara takes over Lara and Thomas. How does that work yeah, out with Lara Lord Wraith? Lara and Thomas are Venators, but it's not established that Lord Wraith is at all. Okay, so he's he's just he has no idea what's going on, or does it not go on probably until not. after? After he's, I mean, you have to. Can, the only one who knows everything is Ivy. The archive. Yeah, she knows who the who the players are, who this, that, and the other thing is. There's really no reason for either his children to know what he's doing with outsiders, or for him to know that they're venators. I guess I'm just compartmentalized. Saying, how how could Lord Wraith, while he was still alive, not know? Uh, he would he would be keeping tabs on everyone, right? Sort of. He also seems to be described as an idiot once in a while. Self-absorbed, at least. I mean, and yeah. also in in the short story, it, he, Thomas says that I mean, years and years could go by before anything is going on. If you're doing one errand one weekend for as a Venator, I don't think it takes yeah, that much to true. slip away. Yeah. But then again, you know, Lord Wraith's been around for how many thousands of years? Well, that's true. About two thousand years. Thank you. 
<laughs> I wonder what, who said You should have said how many hundreds of years. Thank you. Thank you. Then you would have been able to say 20. <laughs> Stop it. I mean, like 25 at least, okay? God, the thing the thing of it is, is I suppose if you want to be a player in this thing, maybe you know about it, maybe you do whatever. But we also know the Oblivion War is not really I mean, yes, it's a cool thing that we all love to chew on. But it's not a main factor to the series. That's already that's why we have so much information on it, because the caveat was this is not really something that's coming into play, especially as it relates to Harry. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I'm just trying to harmonize the details we do know from here, from Harry's perspective, and see if there's any way of extrapolating anymore. But I guess not. And it just didn't seem like this was written with that in mind. I didn't catch up. No, at least no, I didn't catch up. Probably not. I feel like, I mean, probably wasn't really, I mean, I'm pretty sure at that point he had like an idea about the Oblivion War going on in the world, but not necessarily who was or was not participating in it other than Ivy. Yeah. I think when he made up Ivy, that he made up that reason for her to existing. But maybe not that Laura Wraith or Thomas are involved in it. I mean, you should, we also have to consider that um, that particular story takes place between Small Favor and Turncoat. So there's still time for... Mm. But Lord Wraith does seem to... He's weirdly powerful and uh, sometimes effective, but he does seem to be a bit oblivious and kind of moronic at some points, and he doesn't take as much precautions as he should because he's too prideful for it. The way Ebenezer described uh, the dinner that he went to and Margaret was trying to convince him to join into the whatever that was they were doing, um, some people were able to point out or figure out that Margaret and Ebenezer were fighting like family and doesn't seem like Lord Wraith figured it out at all. Nope. I mean, if Nicodemus is, you know, uh, evil overlordy, then Wraith is kind of arrogant evil overlord. I mean, he's the yeah. he's the guy who likes to gloat about his plan, right? right. Yeah, he's the he's, bond the, villain. he's the mon yeah he's the monologuer. He's the Bond villain. He's, he's the Bond so. villain with the Bond bimbos. He he even has a chateau, right? I mean, he he's Scaramanga. He's you know Blofeld. He's Yep. He's Scooby-Doo villain, if it wasn't for these meddling kids. He has the chateau, he has the weird, like, layer that is the deeps. So it's like, yeah, this kind of fits. <laughs> That's actually so true. <laughs> oh, yeah, he really is a Bond villain. One touch I really like is that uh, uh, elongated uh, scene between Harry and his mother in the, in the soul gates, <laughs> in the soul gates between uh, uh, Thomas and Harry, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a nice little peaceful respite from the rest of the action in this story, which is a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it's a moment of recovery, essentially. Like there was a lot of action in the moments leading up to that, and then it's just the the breathing period before they get into more action. Uh, Jim calls it scene and sequel, and there's everything. It's like that, whether it's the scene of stuff happening or it's a sequel of reactioning to it, and that's what the soul gaze is. I guess it, I know Jim doesn't write in themes, but if there's a theme in this book, it's I guess it's love. I guess uh, family, family and love. Yeah, family and love. Got to keep saying it's familiar dementia, family. <laughs> 
If there's a yeah. theme revolving around families, I would call it love. Well, hey, quite you. It's got love in it. Well, here's the thing. How do you tie in Arturo with that, right? There you family. Go. He's starting a new family. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, it's yeah. I, th I think I think there's I think there's a connection there between you know how how all of his uh, his ex wives think of what think of who who the possible targets are. So they always they don't attack the frumpy woman because you know the frumpy woman could not possibly be the new the new wife. It's actually funny how, I mean, not funny, but if you think about it, how like Harry's like, okay, who could have motive, you know? Like, let's figure this out. Like, they're talking at the start. And like, like he doesn't even mention. One. No, ex wife two. No, ex wife three. He doesn't even no. mention all the ex wives are about to lose a lot of money because he just like, he trusts them. I think he's just like that good of a person. Well, he, he is a good person. He is a trusting person that wants to think the best of people. Also, he thinks that they don't know that he's about to get married again without a prenup because he didn't tell anyone. He doesn't realize how obvious he is to everyone else of that he's in that honeymoon phase of about to get married. Yes, it's true. <laughs> he thinks he's being completely secret. They he's have like, no idea. He's this porn director, but he's got this, he's got this little love, his little crush, and he's, oh, it's so obvious yeah. to everyone. Yeah, he, he seems to genuinely think well of everyone, and it seems like they're trying to point that out when it, describe him as that revolutionary of the porn industry of not having as much silicone as normal or like everyone should just be having fun with it. It's like, okay, how well does it sell? But, mm. yeah. Apparently well enough that like the white court will use magic to stop him. I think that's it's part of the fact that he broke away from Silverlight and kind of flaunted at him, and so therefore Wraith and Silverlight needed to slap him down for it. But there's also the kind of theory that Harry had is like, you can change what people think you should have in a, a relationship. Like with rom-coms or something, they have this script of like, well, if you're not doing something extra special and unexpected and like thousands of daisies everywhere, then you don't love me enough, and therefore break up more relationships and porn. And if you highlight the idea of casual sex is fun and good, and it's something that you should be doing, you're not going to be having sex with someone that you're in love with and being protected against the white court. Yeah, right, I just, yeah it's like, monologue. I just don't know how you turn that into viable porn. But I get the theory behind it. I get the, the inclination behind it. I just, you know, he's still making porn. Whether or yeah. not the person in there love each other, it's really going to... Yeah, it's not really going to help and people's. They they don't. Any right. of the people that are in there, they don't. But maybe they're having more fun than others. I don't know. The way he describes them actually shooting it is uncomfortable, and too bright, and awkward. Mm -hmm. Can't imagine it being any other way, honestly. Yeah, me neither. He even says it's like only loose. You would think it would be like, what, what is it he says? What's the word? You would think it would be. Oh, I don't remember the wording. Something like it would only can only loosely be described as sex or something like that. Uh, like, because all the time they have to stop and and all that you said. Okay. But, uh, I wonder if Jim would went out like, so any. Uh, any porn studios need an author to just come by for some research? Oh. This is one that sounds like 
it should have been built on a dare. Like uh, a BDSM scene with Susan, he made plot relevant, okay. But probably someone could say, no one can make porn plot relevant. But I don't know if that actually ever happened. It just seems like it kind of fits. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, now that I think about it, we were talking about uh, uh, it, this book having kind of a two-plot structure, but it almost feels like it's a three because you have the X's, then you have the family deal between Thomas, Harry, Lord Wraith, and then you have the uh, the attacking Mavra thing. I, was there was there a terribly strong connection between Lord Wraith wanting Harry dead and the exes? Uh, it would just it just I, it have it a does, I mean, I think you're right. Oh, it does yeah. kind of feel like yeah, three, like three stories almost. Yeah, because that's the climax. I mean, putting it into the curse <laughs> sort of, but. Porn book. <laughs> so many dumb jokes this episode. I like dumb jokes. Yeah, I do too. It's just like this is the episode for the dumb jokes. Yeah, we'll have so, we'll have Eddie take care of it. Eddie, Eddie the editor. editor. Eddie the editor. Definitely take out that argument about time. But um, <laughs> so. so Speaking of time, just in the end, we should probably bring up when we're doing the next episode because I'm not sure over the Christmas if we're sticking to two weeks. So we'll, we'll have to, to figure that out. Stop. Mm. <laughs> but also, you better have really good magical powers. Yeah. But also, we have uh, people clamoring uh, for the cat. So let's. Uh, do you have the cat around? Is the cat? I showed him when you wrote it in chat, like quickly. He's not here right now. Ah. Oh, he's over there. Oh. Oh, very good. This is important podcasting material. A vision this is of very, that. extremely, extremely important. Right next to the radiator, of course. It's not on, but yeah. Oh well, I'm sorry, cat. Anyways, so is, is that is that it? Oh well, much... you seem to be saying something about three storylines of blood rights. Did you want to go on about that? Ah, uh, no. I just it, unless you guys had any thoughts on that. Uh, it just the book. The book doesn't quite feel like. It hangs together too well. Things kind of just happen. It's not as tightly plotted as uh, Summer Night, which I think at this point is still the best in the series, at least up to book six. I, I still have felt that Blood Rites is better than Death Masks in terms of being tighter plotted. You don't know as much of what's going on because the reveal of Margaret's mm -hmm. death curse did change a whole bunch. Um, but you do see that, okay, there's the white court and the black court, and then Thomas. And yeah. then the, the family connection does kind of happen towards the middle of the book. And then there's the showdowns of both plot lines. Right. Um, and then Thomas temporarily will be, a mouse is introduced. Thomas is temporarily going to be living with Harry. Ebenezer and Harry can have that stupid, stupid tiff for a book or so. That just kind of lasts for a little while, which is just completely annoying and terrible. Yeah, that parts of it is Ebenezer acts like a, reasonable person mm -hmm. and some of what harry feels is valid he he wasn't told and really important right. things about his mother's life by the person he trusted the most but harry seems to miss the whole thing of calling ebenezer a hypocrite that doesn't quite make sense because of all of the right. lessons that ebenezer enforced those are so important because ebenezer mm -hmm. is the black staff right well then the ebenezer being the black staff that's what set you off i Oh, no. Yeah, it's like you had the choice of killing me, but you didn't. How dare you? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm glad that ended when it, that it ended. I, I don't even want to think about it. I, I, I like some of the world. I guess I do like some of the world building in this book after all, but some of the lingering stuff, it's not quite the stuff at the climax, really. It's, and some of it's kind of lame. Some of it's interesting. Blackstaff, great idea. Kincaid, ooh, that's weird. Um, uh, Thomas and Harry, okay, great. But then the way it immediately plays out is kind of just this, 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 that. Uh, Maverick shows up right away. Thomas is annoying right away. Okay, that that's kind of funny. But the first one, Maverick shows up with a with a picture of Murphy. Um, it's. I wonder if I wonder if Jim was just trying to uh, uh, pay them. off some stuff. Yeah. Have some <laughs> stuff wasn't right away. planning on writing right the book when he did, right? Like he maybe wasn't as prepared for it. That one, the one with um, one of the zombies. Yes, he did switch. Deadbeat went in front of uh, proven guilty. He did intend on them being the opposite. Yep. But he thought Sue should be in the first hardcover. Yes, he was told to do something a bit more dramatic and thrilling. Yeah, I don't. You know, it, it it ties off some of the weaker stuff at the beginning, I guess, and then it also points out to the new readers who picked it up in hardcover for the first time. That uh, great. There'll be there'll be long form storytelling here. You can expect continuity and things changing and things mattering. Uh, you know, it's like more like Buffy and less like Next Generation or something. Yes, though. Hey, in Blood Rains, we do get like that. Buffy uh, definitely had overarching plots, except what? the first season. I think that's what he meant. Yeah, I thought he said not like Buffy and more like well, Next Generation. More like Buffy and less like no. Monster okay. of the week. Because yeah. I was, oh, I yeah. felt like you you switched that around, but then oh, sorry. You, okay, I just misunderstood. It's okay. Blood Rides is the one that has the Buffy reference here, and already have a sharp stick and make like Buffy. Says Spike. Well, I'm entertained by the little things. Sorry. <laughs> also, Bolshevik Muppet. Oh yeah, I thought yes, about that yes, when yes. he said that Bolshevik. I thought of you. <laughs> It's just, it's kind of, it's one of the moments that, like, Harry and Kincaid, as much as they annoy each other, they really understand each other at certain like points. Like I said, I feel like he could, like, in terms of snark and humor, he could have been addressed. Yeah. They, they, they complement each other fairly well. Yes, sir, Mr. Dresden, sir. Man, I love that. It's just so funny. <laughs> See, Murph? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Plug the well, stuff. Welcome to the. Oh wait, no, we're not welcome. So we're not. We're not the welcome anymore. Right. Goodbye from the present Dresden Files podcast. Check out other podcasts from the Broken Jars Podcasting Network. Uh, we've got Great Scott, which is next time is going to talk about an episode of The Office. Then we have High Great Fantasy, Scott. which talks about fantasy, but it's on hiatus. Yes. Hiatus fantasy, but check out the. <laughs> the joke will never get old. Check out all the uh, archives, and but not Ivy, just the archives. Uh, what else we got? We got uh, Sim Talk, which is a, an actual extremely professional podcast brought to you by the yes, Broken Jars Podcast Network with real name. professionals about industrial simulations, which is more interesting than I've just said it. Uh, you should watch the podcast to find out. And let's see what else we got. Is that it? Dangerous to go alone. Also, you can personally recommend oh, the Sim Talk Tell me about Dangerous to Go Alone. It's Jay Ray and his girlfriend talking about nerd stuff and nerd culture. 
Nerd stuff and nerd culture. Take this. Okay. Yep. That's the Broken Jaws Network. Seal of guarantee.